Hello, my friend. I'm Avika Paras, host of The Decisive Life and founder of Ethics for Work and Life. And I'm honored to be your decision coach today to help you become a better person by making better decisions every day. I believe that we arrive at crossroads, we face dilemmas, we get at decision moments for a reason, and it is up to us to face them with serenity and courage and most of all, gratitude. In this week's episode, I have chosen to tackle the issue of gullibility, how to spot and help gullible decision makers. The idea is really to help you if you are training decision makers, future decision makers, because gullibility is not just a political issue, it is a human issue. But I will tackle it from the lens of decision making, meaning I will be more concerned that we educate decision makers in our homes in our small businesses, in the government, in the nonprofits, and also for-profit organizations. I'm looking at the Cambridge Dictionary, and it defines gullibility as the quality of being easily deceived or tricked and too willing to believe everything. Of course, we don't want that gullibility quality in our decision makers because we want them to have an accurate perception of the alternatives open to them in their decisions. I think really this applies to all the people who are making decisions under your influence, under your authority. So if your house employee is gullible, she or he could allow a stranger to enter on the basis of a disinformation that perhaps you have asked that stranger to get a jewelry box or a set of land titles in your bedroom. If you are a nonprofit, and the people under you could be gullible. That means he or she could channel donations to dubious poor communities or the foundations getting donations for them. And then if you are in charge of hiring, if your hiring manager is gullible, she or he could make a job offer to a very good and intelligent young college graduate who has deceived all of her teachers and all of her classmates to giving her a loan and making up stories about her family tragedies. This is something that I have personally experienced, having a staff, a new staff, who after one week was already telling me about her family tragedies, and she even wrote a long letter. She wanted to borrow 3000 It's just one week after being hired. We have to be careful, right? So gullibility has become very relevant in an era of misinformation, disinformation, and fake news. These are like almost similar, but they are different words. They really vary in degrees of intention to deceive. Basically, misinformation is incorrect or misleading information that is spread regardless of the intent to mislead. What is disinformation? Precisely, the Cambridge Dictionary defined disinformation as false information that is spread in order to deceive people. And then the third type is fake news. Fake news is mimicking real news. So you might get into a channel that looked like a real news station, but actually it's a fake news carrier. And I really think that we are all familiar with this if you're in the Philippines, but also, you know, many other countries experience this. Seems to be a worldwide phenomenon. So what are the damage caused by gullible decision makers? There's the economic harm, like the loss of money or property. There is loss of personal integrity or integrity of information. If you're talking about an entire organization, you cannot just say nothing. It's just in the society itself, but it can enter and seep into your organization, in your culture, where the mistrust abounds like no one is sure who is telling the truth. 
I have had huge amount of readings on fraud and how the fraudsters target gullible individuals. I've done a lot of readings on this when I was preparing and improving 30 plus seminars on ethics and integrity. And majority of these are really on ethics and fraud. So I'm a little bit more observant with people and how they make decisions without checking if they have accurate data as their basis for their decision making. So first of all, this is what my research says. Basically a warning before I proceed to my tips on how to spot and to help gullible decision makers. There is a cognitive scientist living in France, Hugo Mercier, and I listened to his YouTube interview, Why Humans Are Less Gullible Than We Think. His premise is that we are overly optimistic about our own abilities and pessimistic about other people. So in general, people themselves believe that they are not gullible. On the other hand, they could say that other people are gullible. So it's already like a learning. Dr. Avik would not be that pedantic because already I know that sometimes we are very optimistic about not being gullible and we are pessimistic about the others. So I am already forewarned. Okay. There are other conclusions that I will get from the ideas of Hugo Mercier. Okay. So another research data that I got is many research have shown the lack of association between gullibility and intelligence. And you can look for The Annals of Gullibility by Stephen Greenspan. He spent much of his career as a professor of educational psychology at the University of Connecticut. And he wrote The Annals after his own experience of being one of the 4,800 victims of Bernie Madoff's Ponzi scheme. Sounds like big words. And I will explain it later. So what Greenspan noted is that he's not the only educated and accomplished person among the 4,800 duped by the fraudster Bernie Madoff. He said, I actually knew psychology, but I didn't know much of finance and investment. Actually, he didn't know of Bernie Madoff because he placed his money in an investment company that invested their clients' funds in Madoff's company. So I promise I will talk about the Ponzi scheme. I will explain it a little. The Ponzi scheme was named after Charles Ponzi. In the 1920s, Ponzi promised a 50% return within a few months of getting an investor to invest in his company. Normally in the bank, you would get 2%. So you could already doubt. Basically, the Ponzi scheme is that you get the money from the investor but where would you get the 50% return? You would simply get it using the funds from new investors. So all of the investment will stop if there are no new investors coming in. And that is what happened to Bernie Madoff during the economic crisis, 2008. And then I have a very interesting example. Again, we're debunking the belief, equating intelligence with less gullibility. So there is an example in the internet, the story of Arthur Stimson from Norfolk, England. He is a university graduate and member of the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors. He received an email in 2007 telling him that he had won 2.7 million pounds in the Spanish National Lottery. Does that sound familiar? Because probably you have read a lot of emails and you have just deleted them as spam, but not Arthur. 
So he called the number that was given in that email to claim his prize. However, before he could receive the prize money, he was informed that there would be some administrative costs so that the money could be transferred to him. Over the course of two years, he surrendered 50,000 pounds of his own money, but he also convinced at least 13 people in his village to lend him money to pay for the transfer fees. So his loans had gone into 400,000 pounds. And in the end, Arthur Stimson lost all that he owned, all of his debt to his friends, his neighbors, and he was jailed for fraud. And you can say, can you believe that? What kind of intelligent, accomplished person is that? It happens. So the next time you see an intelligent person believing in this information, don't waste your time, don't waste your emotions asking, how could you be so gullible? Don't waste your energy bemoaning. Your intelligent friends cannot distinguish fake news from real news because the uneducated people are the ones lacking in intellectual sophistication don't have to be always the most gullible people in the world. Okay, let's agree. Don't waste your energy. Don't waste your emotions. Don't, don't get so annoyed, okay? Let us not associate anymore the lack of education with gullibility and being educated with the expectation that that person should be less gullible, okay? Got it? So my third idea from research is that people have intentions which motivate them to believe in a fraudster. Another book that I have read so much, I also have an audio version of this, is The Faces of Fraud by Martin Bigelman. In this book, he said that fraudsters would target the elderly and the unemployed because these people have greater reason to try their luck and make their savings earn interest or their savings give them a job. I remember another conclusion from the research of Hugo Mercier, whom I mentioned earlier. He argued that people are not really gullible. They are not that easy to fool believing in unfounded things. What they do is they listen to what they did not realize as disinformation and they compare with what they know. So if the two are not really compatible, what the person is saying, what that disinformation is saying and what is in their mind, then they would reject it. And they will accept it if there is that compatibility between that external data and what they have in their head. So in other words, people have reasons why they buy into this information. Perhaps the source of the disinformation could have been for these people, a competent person, someone they could trust. So trust is very important. And many people have believed in that poster or he offers good arguments. For example, you're talking about someone who probably is not educated, but how come he could pull people that he could make the economy work? For people who believe in that, it really jives with their internal information. So I could say that the fraudster never enters an empty territory in the minds. So people already have something in their mind. Perhaps an elderly has been already thinking of where to invest her money. And suddenly this person comes and gives all this rosy picture of a very profitable investment. So all of this research is just an introduction to what I would recommend. Let's proceed to my tips. My first tip is you have to really get to know the person. If you're in an interview or if she's a friend and probably she's believing in fake news, in some disinformation, she's a victim of disinformation, just because you are lucky to have the truth, you ask instances in the past where this person trusted a wrong information, how she discovered it and what she learned from it. 
it should be the start of a conversation. It should not be a reason not to trust that person anymore, especially if, if she has the other qualities that you're looking for, a good fit. Probably you have to measure the risk in getting that person. If she will be a good fit, if only you educate her more. You have to analyze the extent of that gullibility. If that's something that can somehow be minimized through education and training within your organization. But be more careful and attentive for similar decision-making situations. Basically, like you should have an eye already for that person. If you're going to keep her in a critical position, well, of course, you will not put her immediately in a critical position of decision-making, but keep an eye on her. And I think to be managing people is really to be a teacher, to help them to think well. And it's very important that their knowledge is consistent with reality. And don't take that as an insult because we have to always make sure that what we know is the truth, right? You know, I'm an accountant, but now I go into creating flyers or creating images. And I don't have an idea of colors. It's not that I'm colorblind. But I can just be very quick. Sometimes I will say it's pink and actually it's red. So in order to help myself in being very consistent or having the colors that should be there, I use a site that is called Adobe Color. I also use converting colors. I also use here in Mac, it's called Digital Color Meter. So basically, I have these three ways. So that red is the real red. It not, looks like red. So the important thing is what we know is really consistent with reality. My second tip is to recommend reading materials that are accurate. So you can review how your people are double-checking their data with several sources. You can give rewards, give awards, give extra points for people who have more resourcefulness, meaning they check more sources of information in their, say, they're doing a market research. You give them extra points for going the extra mile for checking their information, not like someone who just gets all the references from the internet. They don't search library databases or they just have in their bibliography one source of information. That shows a little bit of laziness, right? Aside from gullibility. Okay, so third, my tip for you, if you're managing these people, hiring, selecting, promoting people who can tend to be gullible, is don't accept information that is not correct. You can be a little bit polite and say, is your source? Because somehow it doesn't jive with my own source. So you don't say plain outright, your source is wrong. Perhaps we can double check and see which information source is not correct. When I would discuss business cases with managers, and I hear them mention data that is not in the case, I would actually approach that person, those managers with a different data. And with the case, the printed case that I have and I'm using in the case discussion, I would ask, are we looking at the same case? And normally the error is in them because they have misread the data or their personal and career history made them somehow go through the data super fast because they have their personal experience like superimposed in all the data that is there in the case that we are discussing. So their career history, for example, has made them think they already know how to decide on the case. But I would appreciate first their history, what they have said, and then I would remind them again to double check their data. I could read them together. Okay, let's go to the third paragraph. What does it say? 
we can say I'm strict because really, if you're training people to make decisions, you have to train them, first of all, to have the accurate data. You cannot make decisions on the basis of wrong data. Okay. The fourth tip is find out what your people are reading and recommend why these readings could be limited limited to similar sources that are not accurate. For example, the person is saying, well, I've gotten all of this information because I searched it in YouTube. Probably they're limited by their home feed because of algorithm. For example, I just go to youtube.com. You can actually see what I have in my home feed. There's this Korean couple just married. I watch about them. There are YouTubers here and YouTube already knows me with this. But then if I go incognito and that means you open another window in your browser and you choose open new incognito window, this is what I see, things that I have not opened in the past. Okay, so sometimes you can say the person is actually just watching the same things, the same sources. It's because probably they're limited by their home feed. And you can just help them to use incognito so that they can research on other sources. Okay, my fifth tip. If you present a good argument to a person who has gullibility history, there is a high possibility that she could agree with you if you have more accurate data. So this is like a positive news. That's why the person-to-person -person conversation is very important. You cannot rely only on massive campaigns to correct this information. Person-to-person -person conversation is important because there is a trust factor. And also, if the person finds that your argument is good, then probably she will change her mind. She will not rely anymore on the fake news. But the trust factor is very important. For example, before I go to a car repair, I'll do a little bit more readings in the internet because I don't want to be fooled. I really need a little bit more information. But then listening to that mechanic, I can trust that person and can say, he knows more than all the readings that I have. I can ask him questions. Unlike in Google search, when I just read articles, I mean, I can probably go into a rabbit hole, really just searching and searching, but then I speak to this mechanic and I get convinced. So person-to-person -person conversation can be very effective in minimizing gullibility in the world, okay? And I will add three more tips for you who are managing other decision makers. Read more, read again, and read less. Okay, so this is like simpler tips, but still related to the tips that I have mentioned earlier. So basically, when reading more, it also helps us to be more humble. We don't have the sufficient data, and that can also help people under us or people who are looking up to us as examples. We have to accept our limitation. We are not bearers of 100% accurate data. So we have to read more, validate our information, take the time to think, to consult experts, not just one expert, to consult several experts, not just read one source of information, okay? The next one, read again, listen again. We have to adopt a little bit of a rational, skeptical attitude, confront our own biases, there's also another research. It's saying that the people who are gullible can tend to be overconfident. They did an experiment and the ones who answered right away and their answers were incorrect is because they're overconfident. Okay, So listen well. And then the third tip is that we have to read less of inaccurate sources of information. Read less and disengage immediately. For example, the clickbait articles, have you ever encountered like the title is so different from the article? So disengage right away. If you see that 
is not a real media source, it's not the traditional media source, disengage, don't read it anymore. Okay? Or you can go to Google search and put the keywords that you're looking for and that was in the title, the clickbait, and probably there will not be any news about it. Okay? So disengage from the usual information that has led you to wrong decisions. Okay? Those are the longer tips and the shorter tips. I hope that you have learned that this information is a real problem and it becomes really a closer problem to us if we are taking care of managing or hiring, selecting, promoting future decision makers that tend to be more gullible. We have to help them check their data, to read more, to prevent gullibility because we cannot have decision makers who are making decisions on the basis of wrong information or disinformation or even fake news. Okay, my friend, I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Decisive Life. If you liked it, take a screenshot of this podcast, share it, and the link to this episode to three of your friends today. Post it in social media and use the hashtag The Decisive Life. Until the next episode, my friend, be good. <music>